Now, at the present rate of taxation of, on GNP of 39%, doesn't this come to about the same $60 billion in increased revenue? It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com. We keep an eye on things in Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with Inside Sources. You can find us at, obviously, DelawareValleyJournal.com. We're on Twitter, DV underscore journal. Facebook, just search Delaware Valley Journal. And please sign up for our twice-a-week newsletter. So if you miss anything, it'll just pop up in your email you could do all of that at our website. Joining us in just a moment, our newsletter editor, Linda Stein, and a very special guest. So while all the attention's on Washington, D.C., and people are already talking about the 2022 midterms, Pennsylvania has a round of elections coming up next month. And one of the very few incumbent Republicans in the Delaware Valley, in fact, I think maybe the only one, is District Attorney Matt Weintraub from Bucks County. District Attorney, welcome to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Linda, for having me on today. And I, I think, you are you the only, as, as they're known in Pennsylvania, line office that's a Republican incumbent in the four counties? Yes, other than the minority commissioners in a couple of counties. But yes, that is true. So let me ask you about that, because you've been involved in, uh, you know, when you're involved in, in uh, being the district attorney, you're involved in politics, whether you want to be or not. And this is, of course, where we make a snide Josh Shapiro joke, but I will skip that. Um, what has happened to the Republican Party in Bucks County and in what was once either a stronghold or a swing area for moderate center-right Republicans in Pennsylvania? I think that it's a, a tale of two cities, as it were. We, we enjoyed for many, many years uh, uninterrupted prominence and dominance. And then uh, I, I think it's fair to say that when Donald Trump became the president, it was the culmination of a reaction by the Democrats to really push back. And uh, I, I was fortunate to survive that wave in 2017, I was already the appointed incumbent, so that gave me some advantage because I was able to run on a track record. Right. But uh, the, the Republicans were effectively punished for what was happening on a national stage here in Bucks County. The Republicans were punished. But what I think, Michael, is, uh, and frankly, I hope, and it's, uh, I hope this is prophetic, that we will see the pendulum start to swing back the other way this year. I want to ask about one specific issue before we hand over to Linda, and that is the issue of crime. Uh, uh, just uh, a couple of days ago, I was speaking to U.S. Senator Tim Scott, a Republican South Carolina, who was the leader on the Republican side to try to do some criminal justice reform. He says that one reason there was no progress is that that there are people in the Democratic coalition who aren't really interested in reform. They'd rather have the issue of you know saying that police are are, are targeting people based on race or that there are structural issues. The, my two questions for you are, one is what is, in your opinion, the status of law enforcement and communities of color in Bucks County? Is there an issue? You've, you've mentioned it, I know, in public on the efforts that you've already made. You had a, a movie, for example, about Walking While Black that you were, were first to distribute. And then my second question is, 
if someone said to you, we're going to give you the power to do the reforms, no votes, no nothing, we're just going to, you get to do two things that will help make law enforcement more effective and respect concerns of people of color, what would they be? Well, they're great questions. So the first question is, uh, I, it, it, it disappoints me, but I think Tim Scott may be onto something. As long as there's a fair argument or a perception that uh, law enforcement is against communities of color, people of color, that is something that can be um, taken advantage of improperly. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not a Pollyanna, Michael. I, I know that there are problems, uh, but sometimes what I fear is that the perception is worse than the reality, but it's a uh, perception becomes reality because if people are believing every snapshot, every, every snippet of a video that they see on YouTube, then we have a communication problem in that even here in Bucks County. And as you pointed out, that's something that I try to bridge that communication gap between police and the communities that they serve, not just communities of color, right. but people that perceive that there's a divide between the police and communities of color based on how they get their information and the quality of the information that they're getting over the internet. So that is a reason that we, and frankly, the police here in Bucks County embraced the opportunity to show themselves as regular people uh, with foibles, but with many, many strengths uh, to so that the communities that they serve can get to know them and vice versa. We have a lot of work to do there, but we are certainly making a lot of progress. Um, your second question had to do with if I had the... Uh, you know, if I if I had the, the magic wand right. and, I, and I could accomplish essentially two reforms, uh, I think that the first one that I would implement would be to give every police officer a, a, a body worn camera in certainly in Bucks County and I think across the country. It has been my experience that there is no substitute for transparency. Uh, it, it still amazes me when police or politicians or uh, people that are of prominence get caught on video doing stupid or illegal things. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tell everybody, especially my assistant DAs and the cops that I speak with and to, you have to comport yourself as though you're being filmed at all times because odds are you are. Uh, so, so that would be number one. And then number two, I, I would uh, also create much, much more funding to get at the underlying root of issues and provide the police with support for dealing with them of criminal issues. And what I mean by that is certainly to take a, a more holistic and treatment oriented approach to uh, issues with substance use disorder and mental health issues with poverty. Uh, I think that we've now taken our police for granted for so long that we tend to view them as a panacea. And what I mean by that is we call 911 for anything and everything. And when we call, we have one expectation, one expectation and we are never let down, at least in Bucks County. And that is that the police will respond regardless of the call or the time the call is made. And they're just not equipped to deal with all of those problems. 
So as you pointed out, we, we have done some pretty creative, thoughtful, progressive things here uh, in Bucks County, including our pilot co-responder program that started in Ben Salem, but it's now going to be expanded to a couple of other areas with pretty heavy population density in Bucks County. And those are the types of things I'd like to see more of so that we can help people where they really need it, as opposed to locking them up all the time. Well, Matt, I was wondering, um, one of your most um, heinous cases in recent years was the Cosmo DiNardo case. And um, marijuana played a big role in that case. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about uh, the possibility that's come up of legalizing marijuana in Pennsylvania. Do you think that's a good idea or not? Um, I think I am not in favor of it, Linda. I'll say that so that I can directly answer the question, but it's much more nuanced than that. So if the alternative is medical marijuana and illegal marijuana, but you have the choice to legalize it, probably legalization is better. But if I had the choice to, to continue to enforce the laws on the books as, as we do now uh, and offer people that get caught with marijuana illegally the, the option for treatment every time. So in other words, as opposed to decriminalization or treatment, but illegality, I would choose the uh, arresting somebody for the small amount of marijuana so that we could force them to treatment. But I also will say that if the, the um, state government chooses in their wisdom to make marijuana legal here, then that would be the law that I would enforce. And I, I would not rail against that. I see. Okay. Well, one other thing I was curious about, um, or one of the other things, is um, the DoorDash scandal. I know that your opponent um, has used that as a cudgel in, in her campaign against you. And I'm just wondering, uh, why did you demote that guy instead of just firing him? Well, if uh, plain and simple, I ultimately, but we as a management team, but the decision was ultimately mine, made a, a decision that the value that he had given, the, the public service that he had given to his community in, in the 25 years that he served as an assistant DA outweighed the harm that he had caused uh, in his uh, abuse of that service. And uh, I have to tell you, I was professionally and personally heartbroken by what he did. He let all of us down terribly and he undermined uh, the credibility of our entire system because when one of us fails, we, we all look at the worst for it. But I also believe in redemption and second chances. And uh, I, I practice what I preach, Linda. There have been, uh, in, under my leadership, we have diverted more first-time offenders, more cases from the criminal justice system than any district attorney before me. And that is something that I pride myself on. And so I had to set my personal feelings aside in this instance and practice what I preach and give him another chance. Uh, as it turns out, that second chance lasted about six weeks and then he resigned to take another position in the private sector. But I don't regret that. 
I want to ask you about the broad national crime issue and then how it uh, uh, impacts Bucks County. As you know, the FBI new numbers came out for 2020, a surge in uh, murders in 2020. And what's distressing and it's not widely reported enough is that surge was on top of a surge the year before. So we've had a, if you go back to the, you know, the glory days when we were really, you know, hitting low numbers for homicides, we're up, I think, uh, 35, 38% over that number. We're still nowhere near the battle days of the early 1990s, but it's, it's a real thing. And my question for you is this, are you seeing even in the quiet leafy suburbs of Bucks County, more people turning to violence when maybe five years ago, they would have just yelled at each other and driven away, or they wouldn't have decided to throw a fist or pick up a weapon. Or is that really a, uh, an issue in places like Philadelphia and New York City and Chicago, and it just isn't part of the life and behavior of criminals where you are. I feel like you're throwing me a, a batting practice fat pitch, <laughs> Michael, in, in a home run derby here. So I'm going to. Well, do don't, wait till we get to the math section of this. It's going to be a oh lot harder. Gosh. So, all right. Well, it's my understanding there was going to be no math. <laughs> no, uh, I hope you got that reference, Chevy Chase. Of course, uh, of course, of course. Oh my gosh. I've, I've, yeah. I've, by the way, my wife is a huge Chevy Chase fan. She uses that line on me all the time. I'm going to tell her, baby, we have to move to Bucks County just to vote for this guy. <laughs> Glad I could strike a chord, but I, I want to also answer the question. And this is the only math probably I can, I can do, but this is a stark, this is the stark difference between us and, and the urban centers that are experiencing this terrible violence. Philadelphia last year, give or take, but not much. They had 500 murders in Bucks County last year, according to the UCR crime report, we had five murders. So we're about half to a third of the population of Philadelphia, but we have 1% of the murders. And I just don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I, I do believe in cause and effect. I believe if there is an air of permissiveness, then people are going to take advantage illegally. And that's what you're seeing in these urban centers. Uh, I'm, I, I can be as progressive and thoughtful as any district attorney, but I just don't agree with letting people get away with crime for the sake of appearing to be progressive. I think that that's a setup for failure. And frankly, it's been proven out in the in the opposite here in Bucks County, because we've never stopped policing. We've never stopped policing violent crime uh, and our numbers have not gone up. Uh, the, only, the only distinction, and I will say this is universal that, I, that I've seen is the, how easily and quickly people are willing to resort to the threat of violence over the internet and social media. It's disheartening to me. Uh, I, I do believe, and I'm an optimist at heart, that we have much more in common than we do differences, but people want to focus on the differences, and it has become so vitriolic uh, and, and venomous that it's harming us as a society, and we experienced that in Bucks County, but I'd say that's universal. So following up on that, uh, as you know, the National School Board Association has asked the Department of Justice to investigate parents who are showing up at schools who are upset about everything from vaccine mandates to mask mandates to critical race theory and the DOJ, you know, in, the, in their letter, they said they want them investigated for potential quote domestic terrorism and literally invoked the Patriot Act. Some people are upset that the DOJ, instead of simply shrugging that off, 
announced, sure, we'll do this. We're going to contact local law enforcement, people like Matt Weintraub, and we're going to look into this. Is that the appropriate role of the DOJ, in your opinion, regarding the schools in Bucks County? Absolutely not. There's no need for it. There's no place for it. Will have a chilling effect on our First Amendment right to free speech. I don't want you to conflate what I'm saying, though, Michael. I, if somebody is going to overtly threaten another person, whether it's on the internet or live at a school board in anger, they will be held accountable. But if they're merely expressing their anger or their displeasure at the quality of the education or the the manner in which that education is provided, they have a right to be heard, and and I will steadfastly uphold that right under the First Amendment. Matt, I know that you have been a, a prosecutor for quite a while. So I was kind of curious if you could uh, tell our listeners, what is um, the most important lesson that you've learned as a prosecutor over the years? It's humility. The, nothing even closer uh, comes close to that. We, we have so much power in our discretion, Linda, that I think sometimes there's a tendency, and it's ironic, it's more in the younger prosecutors than the prosecutors that have been around a while, to, to feel like we're infallible, that we can size up a case uh, without looking at the person or the history behind the person and make a snap judgment as to what the outcome should be, how much penalty, how much punishment a person should suffer. And once you start to believe that you're all-knowing and infallible, that's when you make mistakes and you start to take things for granted. So I, I try to imp impart this to my assistant DAs constantly. You got to stay humble. You got to walk a mile in the other person's shoes. Remember, you, you literally can hold their life in your hands uh, with your decisions, uh, especially when it comes to murder cases. But you're going to alter people's lives, even when you make a determination whether to arrest somebody or not or to divert somebody to a treatment program or not. So you gotta stay humble, stay grounded, and don't forget who you are and where you came from. Well, we're gonna wrap it up there, uh, Matt, uh, particularly in the current climate where you have uh, conversations about what's going on in Philadelphia with their DA, and then a recent prosecution from the Attorney General that some people say is part of a pattern of politics, uh, keeping politics out of prosecutions. I know it's tough because we're all human beings. We all have our views, but uh, it's a, certainly, in my opinion, it's a worthy goal. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you both, Linda and Michael. I enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, tweet it, email it, Facebook. We appreciate all that. And of course, we hope you're checking out DelawareValleyJournal.com regularly for the latest news coverage and signing up for our twice a week newsletter while you're there. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening.